And I don't want people to be in worship trying to figure out like, wait, I don't want them to be pulled out of it and go like, yeah, like right. is this him for me? I can't, have I seen that? Why do I, I don't understand. And I have to have a whole conversation to explain it. I've kind of failed as a worship leader in that sense. You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Worship Review, the greatest podcast in the universe. And it is led, as always, by myself, Colin. I am a history professor and my co-leader, co-host, co-founder, co-conspirator, Tyler How's it going? I prefer the term glorious leader personally, but I'll take co-leader. Sorry, dear leader, the dear leader, <laughs> Tyler, who is actually, it was overseas somewhere. Tyler, have you become dictator of the country that you are visiting yet? No, I'm in Germany and we don't joke like that here. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> don't talk about the war, as they say in uh, Faulty Towers. Uh, so for those of you that don't get that reference, the British audience will get that reference. Faulty Towers was a show that uh, had John Cleese. It was about a hotel. It came out in the early 80s. And the big joke, one of the big jokes in that show was you don't talk about the war when because the Germans would come. I'm having to explain the joke. It's already gone. Can't. I've got too much to do. Listen, don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it all right. So <laughs> it's all forgotten now, and let's hear no more about it. So that's two egg mayonnaise, a prawn Goebbels, a Herman Goring, and four cold it sellers. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute, well, I got a bit confused here. Sorry, I got a bit confused because everyone keeps mentioning the war. So could you... What's the matter? It's all right. Is there something wrong? Will you stop talking about the war? Me? You started it? We did not start it. Yes, you did. You invaded Poland. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to our co-host, who is Nathan Partain. Nathan, welcome back to the podcast. Hey. Hey, everybody. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be with you guys. All right. And Nathan knows better than to not try some elaborate reference. So we are going to be looking at the song All My Hope by David Crowder featuring Torin Wells. This song was nominated in 2018 for Song of the Year, a Dove Award uh, category. It did not win, but it was nominated. And so right now, as those of you that are following the podcast know, we are doing a series on Dove-nominated songs, and we're also interviewing people and having guest hosts. So all that is in one package today with Nathan here and uh, the song that we're doing. Colin, so, Colin, uh, Ty- you, yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Can you guess which song won Song of the Year in 2018? It's your favorite song. Uh, no. It's your favorite one. Reckless Love? Yes. Reckless Love? Yes, it won Song of the Year in 2018. So this song okay. lost Reckless Love. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Well, I... They didn't ask us to be, they didn't know about us then. We're still waiting for our invite for the Dove Award Committee to be on the awarding, you know, the, the group that helps decide the award, because we've had something to say about that, wouldn't we, Tyler? Yeah, but don't hold your breath. No. I haven't gotten, I, you know, maybe it's in my spam folder, the email, the invite to be a part of their, their group. 
So, yeah. Uh, well, let's show them how we do it, Tyler, in case they are listening. Uh, let's first start off by saying a little bit about the song in general. Tyler, do you have some general thoughts? Yeah. Summary? You know, what's the song about? Well, this is a song about a, a sinner who has uh, found new life in Christ and also hope in Jesus. And uh, the old has passed away and the new is here. So we've got multiple different metaphors working in the song to illustrate that, like a prison or um, someone who's been washed and, and cleaned in that way, purified. I think the even the references to fire here may be uh, pointing to a kind of purification. And uh, there's, I, I suppose, a contemplation of um, deep sorrow, which is resolved in um, in being picked up. So I think that's a good overview of the song. All right. Well, let's get into some lyrics. Uh, let's start out with the first verse. I've been held by the Savior. I felt fire from above. I've been down to that river. I hate the same return. I've been held by the Savior. I've felt fire from above. I've been down to the river. I ain't the same, a prodigal return. And Nathan, I'm going to give you the first crack at these lyrics. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on these? What are they about? Uh, what's going on in these this first verse? Wow, um, I... I think, and when I'm thinking about worship songs, sometimes I put them a little bit into like a, like certain categories in my head that helps me figure out like what's the purpose of this song. And I think right off the bat, it, this I have a, I have a category of testimonial. There's a song where it's like uh, this sort of thing has happened to me, and hopefully it's broad enough that other people say yes, I know that experience, and then we sing this testimonial together. Mm -hmm. um, so I think right off the bat, there is this sort of um, Here's where I here's what I've been. Here's what I've been through. But also, I think I think welcoming the shared experience of yeah, we this is maybe where we have come from, um, what we have been through. I think it's an explanation meant to be an explanation of what it means to come to Christ. Yeah, I I agree that this seems very testimonial, and uh, we have. I'm actually going to do something that I'm not known for, and, and neither are you, Colin. I'm going to think about this in context. So uh, this this okay. last this last word here. Um, a prodigal returned uh, to me that does sound like someone who has um, after perhaps a life of of sin or even like the the prodigal himself um, uh, uh, a time deliberately walking away from faith uh, returning a bender go, going on a bender that's right <laughs> um, uh, sorry Colin I don't know what that word means Uh can you, uh, <laughs> no, I've, I've never missed a Sunday. Yeah. I pray every day. That's right. We never have go through those sorts of things. Do we? Well, never binge a show on Netflix. Never there. <laughs> yes. Uh, their hearts are far from me. Um, and so this is about, I, I think a prodigal who has returned to the father who, who ain't the same, right? This is a new creation. So I think there's some real really strong Christian themes here. Uh, and then we have really three different 
images to accompany that prodigal returning. We've got um, being held by the Savior. So that's a very intimate verb, first of all, um, held or picked up or carried even. Um, and going down to the river makes me think of baptism um, and felt fire from above. It, I thought was a kind of curious reference. And in my head, um, maybe you guys can clarify this, but to me, fire from above is uh is referencing the fire from heaven which consumes uh, an offering offered on an altar or a destructive fire sent down um, in condemnation. So I think we have to rule out that second one here because that that, um, doesn't make sense in this context. And so I think what's meant here, this fire from above, is probably uh, I have been uh, cleansed, although it could be merely a reference to uh, receiving the Holy Spirit and really feeling powerfully um, the the presence of God. I don't know if you guys can clarify that uh, better than better than that. Do you have thoughts, Nathan? Uh, that's, well, I think the the just in the context of other worship songs and that sort of thing, it seems that that uh, fire from above, I would guess it was about the Holy Spirit, heavenly fire. Um, that, Pentecost. That about experience, experience, yeah, it's about experiencing. Um, I'm very sorry to say that in terms of music, when, when I hear um, Fire from Above, I only think, or I don't only, but I initially think of Matisse Yahu, his song where he sings, Foya descends from on high in the shape of a lion. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I've never heard. What song is this? No, but yeah. I think you should keep singing for sure. Yeah. A sacrifice. <laughs> How's it go? <laughs> Well, he was an Orthodox Jewish rapper and reggae artist who I, I think he walked away from being Orthodox. I think he's probably still, um, uh, you know, faithful. Um, but there was a big moment in his career when he stopped covering his head on his album cover. So before that, I think he had a lot of institutional backing, but he also was he very prominently wore a kippa over the top of his head, and then he stopped doing that. But anyway, it's a good song, and so that's where my mind went. But I thought, why would they be singing um, this Orthodox Jewish rapper's reggae artist's music? So yeah, P- Pentecost is probably the best explanation uh, here. <laughs> what about river? I mean, I was wondering if, is this, uh, you know, is this a specific river? So is this an allusion to, I don't know, like the river Jordan, or is he saying like, is he speaking about the experience of being baptized in a river? I've been, I was baptized in a river. And so when I think of going down to the river, uh, I think about going down to the river to be baptized, but maybe that means something else. Maybe I'm importing my own background and culture into that. You think that's what that means? I, 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 that's what I got too. Yeah, that's what I thought. You've got the hymn down to the river to pray, which yeah. I, you know, it, I think becomes sort of like the yeah, what oh brother out there used it for yeah. showing baptisms and tent revivals and all that, and the whole style of musically, the style, the style of the lyrics, the way the phrasing is done, all evokes that feel. So it would be hard for me to put a different down to the river meaning. I'm glad <laughs> that you mentioned that movie because my mind went there too, and I thought um, this song seems to be. Uh, representing uh, what the what the two men who were baptized came back from the river saying. Um, well, the one mm-hmm. who speaks more, I guess, where he's like, um, I, I, I'm not I'm not making fun of what he's saying, but he says it in his voice. He says, "All my sins been washed away," and he's got this real like um, 
yeah. he's just very sincere and and joyful and i think this song um at least at times leans into that a little bit yeah oh my hope is in jesus thank god my yesterday's gone oh my sins are forgiven All right, well, let's go to the chorus. All my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone and all my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. Tyler, first thoughts on hearing these lyrics? Well, I love this first line. Uh, we we can't find hope anywhere else uh, in this life. And so to see that written there is very good. I'll also... I love that it's reflecting back on being a new creation, being washed, being cleansed, um, and that um, though we may still be burdened with, you know, some of the consequences of our our failings in the past, um, yesterday is in in a very well in in a figurative sense it is gone. Um, well, in a literal sense too, right? We will never get yesterday back. But really, what's meant here is um, the uh, what yesterday represents to me is is no more. Uh, I am no longer the man that I was yesterday. Um, and I, I, I think, again, yesterday is being used here um, metaphorically to refer to um, me of uh, of before this transition, before this change. It's like uh, when we say things of yesteryear, we're not literally referring, you know, to the year that it is minus one, but what was before Um and the yesterday being gone is is clarified then again with it, one of these really good descriptors of being uh, redeemed. All my sins are forgiven, and then I've been washed by the blood. So he's been cleansed, uh, and this blood is uh, presumably not just you know any random blood because we have this definite article preceding it. Um, which, which makes it a very specific kind of blood. And, and I think we have to read this as the blood of Christ. All my hope is in Jesus. Nathan, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, getting into, as a worship leader, um, what's, the, like, what's the general thrust or the purpose of this is, to, I think, to really uh, glory in who Jesus is by saying what he's delivered me from. And so I think in many ways, it has a very rich history, you know, from the Old Testament, constantly, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, your God, who uh, delivered you from, brought you out of Egypt. That, so many things start with that. So many Psalms harken back to that. There's a great, they're tapping into something really deeply part of what uh, God-fearers and Christians have done through the ages is, I, here's what I've been delivered from. And, it's, and in worship, to say that and to remember that um, is actually quite you know, it makes a lot of sense. I think also you've got, well, I think it's important to actually say, re- remember uh, once you were aliens and you were uh, enemies in your minds, right? What Colossians says, or um, Titus is, uh, he, he basically says, in the context of being kind to others, he's saying, remember, remember where you came from. So there's a lot of applications for the church to say, yeah, Jesus has done something and um, it's important to remember where I've come from. Oh, hang on, Colin. I have, um, I've got some lines here in mind. Um, I turn up to the river and push the car to 110. 
I went deep into the forest where I heard the old trapper lived. Ah, there it is. What what do these lines mean, Nathan? Oh, man. (laughs) Thank you. You promised that you would bring this up, and you you did. You followed through. I thought thought I'd gotten away with it. Um, I'll splice in the song for our listeners. <laughs> oh no! Great. Well, yeah, you've got to now. You've got to put it in there. Um, well, that song is in the whole context of I was trying to make a concept record, and so the first song on that record is about kind of the dream of there being some other way, something different from the reality I was in, and then one ten is the wake up call to the chaos and the kind of internal war and confusion that I actually lived in in that moment. So. Um, it was kind of about the drive and being trapped and uh, running for your life and uh, not knowing which end is up. Uh, okay, where were we? We were reviewing a song, weren't we, Tyler? That's true. <laughs> uh, is that what we were doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we get to... Well, I, I'm i no stranger. Go ahead. I Nothing, never mind. No more rabbit trails? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Nathan, we do this all the time on the podcast. That's why it's so long. I'm no stranger to the prison. I've worn shackles and chains. I've been freed and forgiven. Yes, I have. I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. Uh, I'm no stranger to the prison. I've worn shackles and chains, but I've been freed and forgiven. Yes, I have. I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. That's why I sing. Who are we on here? We're on Tyler? No. Nathan, what are your thoughts on this? Hmm. Um... Maybe Tyler should go. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll, I'll get the, the juices flowing creatively. Yeah, or something. get it, get it flowing. Yeah. So, Tyler, can I, actually, let me ask you a question, Tyler. Um, do you think? I mean, so that we do have these tests. This is a testimonial song, as Nathan said. Um, how do you feel about saying something like "I've worn shackles and chains"? I mean, it's a metaphor. Obviously, he's he's not saying necessarily that he's literally done this. I know. I would feel slightly odd about saying something like that. really what do you think yeah i mean because you haven't literally I know, done like it. The, the, yeah i mean i know that it's a metaphor but i just would think to myself like there are people who either they themselves or people they know or people in their family like uh, it is obviously scripture talks about our state as being slaves and yeah as nathan already said strangers and aliens and all this but man it it, it it, that feel that's quite real. The image is really powerful of thinking about shackles and chains, and thinking about myself wearing them. And I just would be thinking, like, here I am singing this in an air conditioned church with, I just had a coffee <laughs> on the way in, and, um, you know, but maybe I shouldn't feel that way. Maybe maybe that's an illusion, and I really do need to reflect on the seriousness of my past sin and even my present sin and my future sin. It's like, no, no, no. This is this is slavery. This is really serious. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just kind of brought up, I'm not saying I I think it's wrong. I just, I had mixed feelings, I guess, when I was reading these words, 
that didn't you didn't have any mixed feelings about that? I had mixed feelings about a different part of this verse, but before I get to those, okay. just to respond to that, um, I guess I'm okay with using it um, metaphorically because Scripture uses it metaphorically, right? Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Um, that's pretty tell classic metaphor um, um, construction there, and so. Uh, yeah, I guess I could be callous. I probably am callous, um, but in in the context of this it, of this testimonial song, it seems like it's um, as Nathan said, glorifying Jesus by reflecting on really how far He is has brought me, kind of plumbing the depths of my depravity to glorify um, Christ in redeeming me from it. But I also I see the point that you're making. I mean, there are people. Um, incarcerated and uh, many innocent people incarcerated, some people facing the death penalty unjustly. There are Christians in chains and in prison. Uh, there are non-Christians in chains and in prison who are being held there, uh, you know, unduly, unjustly. And so uh, I could see how that could be maybe a, um, at the very least a tasteless thing to say. Um, well, yeah, and please, well, here, look, please don't hear me say, please really don't hear me c- criticize it. I'm really not criticizing it. I'm just saying it gave me pause, but maybe that's a good pause because, uh, okay, I'm not literally physically in chains and never have been, and I, I hope I, I never am, um, but... I maybe that's just showing me how little I understand my sin because actually if you really do think about it that that is my my sin is a form of bondage mm-hmm. right my, my sin is not form of my sin is bondage um and yeah as you say scripture tells us that we're slaves to sin and that's that's where we were and enemies of god um prisoners to our passions i mean there's a lot of language like that that we see throughout scripture. And so it probably actually is good and right to sing that way. And probably the error is with me just being shocked by that, you know, because actually, no, I'm, I'm minimizing my sin there. That, that, that is, that is what my sin tells me. I mean, that that is where my sin puts me is in, is in prison. You know, what's funny. uh, What strikes me is that some of the things that you pointed to, to demonstrate that you uh, are, you know, far from a prison, right? Like I have coffee, I have air conditioning, I have comfort. You may have been a slave to <laughs> sin by uh, loving those comforts more than the Lord. And mm. so it, it, there could be a, a kind of deeper irony here. That's um, fascinating. Yeah. But one of the, the, the thing that struck, oh, Nathan, please, what do you think about this? No, I was going to say, I think that one of the things happening here too, like artistically is um, there's a tone to the lyrics. So I think that there is a sense in which these lyrics are meant to be sung. They have a they have a simple down to earth. You've got ain't in the first verse. Uh, I'm no stranger. Um, you get that ele- this element of like kind of earthy experience and not this is not this is not a, a European 1700s hymn, right? This is. Um, this is something that you. This is like a conversation that you would have with, with someone on the street or on the farm or um, at, with your family or something like that, where your guard is down and you're just like, well, "I was crazy," you know, and you're expressing it like that. This song like drips with that feel, both in its production and also it literally is written into the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a, that. I think is it's got to be intentional 
to say, if I was writing that, I would say, who, how do as many people feel comfortable seeing this? How can we be as, as um, simple and common and, and complete together so we can all sing this and say, yeah. Uh, so I think there's something there going on too. Um, I, I I'm, I'm think I'm with you both on the, on the sense of like, I, I th- because it's in scripture, but also because it gives kind of real sobriety to what sin is, um, I think it's actually good to, you know, sit in our safe air conditioned churches and sing about shackles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not at all to say I have any idea what that physical experience is like. I think those both can be true at the same time. I don't think that's mm-hmm. me pretending like, oh yeah, I know how that is. I don't know how that is. But, um, but, but sin is, is that bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so. So my concern with this verse, and thank you, Nathan, for pointing that out. I think the style is really important here. Um, is that it, it, uh, there, there's a kind of duality. Um, there's a sense in which we are both new creations and still sinners daily that I, I would be worried about denying if I said something like, I'm not going back because in the one sense, right. I, I will never be, um, I will never be damned again, right. I will never be unregenerate yeah. again, mm-hmm. but, um, but there is a real sense in which we have to be on guard because, you know, our hearts in us still burn to go back to what, uh, to that slavery. We loved slavery. Um, and so, uh, I, I don't want to read too much into this because it, it seems clear to me that this song is all about one's new identity, but I would just want to be really careful not to give someone the impression that this song is just about who I used to be and who I am not anymore, right? Because it's like, uh, I'm no stranger to the prison. I've worn shackles and chains. This morning, by the way, I, you know, I, I uh, was a slave to sin in, in some ways. So that, was, that would be my concern. What about you, Nathan? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, that's one of the things that I wrote down. A lot of my notes are more global for the song, and that's one of the global notes. I, I actually wrote that down about also about yesterday's gone. I think I can totally go there with the intent, but my concern is there's a sense in which there's a couple things that could happen. If I am told by this song that my experience of being a Christian and coming to Christ is that I feel like a totally different person every day, and that I'm completely new, and I, I shouldn't be having those nagging thoughts that continue to mess with me every single day, that, sh- that temptation should not be a problem anymore, then I will start to think, maybe I'm not a real Christian. Maybe I didn't believe enough. Maybe something's wrong with me, and I really am beyond what Christ can do. And so I wanted something in this song somewhere that talked about not the hopelessness of abiding sin, but then the dependency on Christ in the midst yes. of abiding sin that would that that like the all my hope is in Jesus give me like a verse or somewhere that points to that and gives that more depth like my hope i am a new creation and i am waiting for the culmination of no more war no more battle because i do the thing is i do go back regularly mm-hmm. um and this song doesn't fit me anymore cuz i can if i'm going to believe this or praise this i'm kind of lying i mean i you know so Yeah, there's some, like, there's maybe a different way to phrase it where the emphasis is on God holding us and not letting us go or our status, right, as a a son or as a, you know, because like Christ talks about that, like, no longer do I call you slaves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, some reference to 
less of the emphasis being on I'm not going back um, or yeah, yesterday's gone because I, you know, I'm not thinking this way anymore. I'm not struggling with that sin anymore. But like, hey, despite the fact that I'm going to keep struggling or despite the fact that I'm still going to be tempted because of God, because of what God's done, because of Christ's work, this is not going to, this is my status in him is not going to change anymore. So there's a way to phrase, there's a way to get the same idea that I think he is definitely going for, but that just puts the onus on God, God's work and our identity because of God's work. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I think the other mistake would be to make on the other side, like I'm a Christian now, I'm a part of this group and we don't deal with those things and they still do. And there's also mm. that sense of like letting your vigilance down, like realizing, hey, sin changes shape. It's crazy. You yeah. know, like <laughs> yeah. I don't deal with sexual sin as much anymore, but man, pride and control and all these yes. things that are much more damaging to my relationships yes. are, are and way more out of control. And part of like, I deal with that every day. So I think that also recognizing like just the shape-shifting sense of sin, like we don't, you don't, we are delivered from it. We are new creations. I don't want to diminish that at all, but I don't, I think those are the two sides of the coin. Either I'm broken and Christ didn't really work for me, or I no longer have to deal with that. I'm, I'm good. You know, <laughs> that is so true. Like for, I think every time I feel like I've had some kind of victory over sin, it's been very quickly that I realized that, yeah, pride, for example, it's like, oh, I'm, <laughs> look what I yeah. did. <laughs> oh, oh, wasn't that cute that I thought that the other thing was my bigger sin? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Right. right, it's that, it's that, yeah. dia- it's that classic diagram, right? The, as you continue to be sanctified, right, you realize yeah. more and more the mm-hmm. depths of your sin. That really is true. Yes. And I yeah. think with this, with this verse, if you adopt some kind of. Um, we don't talk about that kind of thing anymore. We aren't that kind of person anymore, um, you know, or, you know, being shocked that, you know, someone might fall into some kind of sin. Uh, a line like, that's why I sing, becomes increasingly troublesome because uh, my singing is not dependent upon, you know, my um, my continued obedience or something like that. My singing is just dependent upon God and his holiness and his praiseworthiness. And so, um, or I think you could look at it another way too and say, if, if someone were, let's say someone, uh, survived some kind of traumatic experience at the hands of another or some kind of abuse, um, there's a sense in which, yeah, I'm a new creation, but yesterday is still very much with me. And, uh, I, I don't get to come to church and just say, well, um, yesterday's gone and that's why I sing because they're not going to want to sing anymore after a little while. And yeah. you have to be careful. There's a kind of thing that is breaking me. Break him down to his knees. God, I've been broken more than a time or two. All right, so then we get to a bridge. There's a kind of thing that just breaks a man, break him down to his knees. God, I've been broken more than a time or two. Yes, Lord. Then he picked me up and showed me what it means to be a man. Tyler, thoughts on this? This is such a horrible, intrusive thought. Um, but I thought, what if... Well, why don't you share it, Tyler? <laughs> no. Now's the perfect time. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, let me just preface this by saying, clearly this is about despair. And someone is just 
you know, on his knees, mourning in despair. But then for whatever reason, because I guess I have a horrible brain, in my head I thought, what if he's despairing because um, he listened to us critique his music at one point, and then oh. here we are, like, <laughs> then the line something like, I've been broken more than a time or two. I'm like, oh, dear, we're doing it again. Um, anyway. <laughs> Those people on the internet said some mean things about me, right? <laughs> I highly doubt that he's listened to this, but... This there's I don't think in so. In this line, there's a kind of thing that just breaks him in. That seems kind of obscure and vague, but I don't think it actually is because, as Nathan mentioned before, we have a lot of colloquial, everyday, plain language here. And I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, I'm feeling some kind of way. I've heard this a few times. And it doesn't refer to some vague kind of way of feeling. It refers to really specific and powerful feeling. And so when you say there's a kind of thing that just breaks him in, you're not just saying, oh, there exists a category of thing which does indeed break him in. You're saying there is a very strong, you know, mm-hmm. something that, um, again, we use this particle just, it emphasizes this, it just breaks a man, it, it immediately or suddenly or completely breaks a man. And then, uh, I don't know why we, uh, well, I don't know if I don't, we have the the verb again without uh uh, inflectional ending, so without the S, break him down to his knees, which seems more like a, um, you know, a kind of uh, interjection into the flow in order to amplify it, right? Breaks a man, break him down to his knees, so it's exasperating. Um, so I think we have the, the depths of despair. And then, interestingly, and I think helpfully, we have appeals to God, in the depths of despair, right? I've been broken more than a time or two. Yes, Lord. And so it becomes clear we're appealing to God in this despair. Um, although I, su- I suppose one might have to be careful uh, because this, off- this again, because the language is so colloquial, it does sound a little bit like, um, and I'm not saying this, but I think someone might say, uh, this sounds like someone taking the Lord's name in vain. But I don't think in this context mm-hmm. he – because I don't know if you've ever heard that, but someone's like, yeah, I was in the depths of despair. And then if they followed it up with God, comma, I, blah, 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 you would say, well, you mm-hmm. should probably uh, think about that. But I think in this context, he's really just down in the depths of woe. Um, mm-hmm. And it's clear that this is habitual or if not habitual in his part, then uh, something that's happened uh, to him multiple times broken more than a time or two. So emphatically – uh, not just twice. Um, then he picked me up. So we have a preterite verb, which points to a single time in the past, simple past tense. With that, So that's one time. He picked me up and showed me what it means to be a man. Come on and sing. So I, I think, uh, so to me, unless you guys can clarify what I'm missing, that sounds like there was, there were multiple times in the past where I was broken down. Um, but then he picked me up. Maybe that's also baked into the um, iterative construction where this has happened multiple times. It could be. Um, but uh, that also sounds like conversion to me. He picked me up and showed me what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also interesting. It's interesting praise of God, I think, to say um, he is the, uh, well, of Jesus. He is the prototypical man. He is the example Um, which is, I think, what that means. He showed me what it means to be a man. I think every time I listened to it and made a note, the what it means to be a man line uh, messed with me every time. And um, I think, 
And again, it's hard to take that out of the context of where we've been since 2018, um, which probably m might color this. But I think I want to. I'm not exactly sure what he. I, I don't know at all yet what that means. Um, I don't. I don't. I haven't gotten a sense that that means that he means the man being the prototypical Jesus. That's not in the song for me. I would be. I would have to bring that to the song. Um, and so then I. My, my most hopeful and charitable reading would be that it, what it means to be a man is to sing that your hope is in Jesus. Um, I, I like that reading the best anyways, that um, because, you, you know, men not singing in church is a very common thing. Men not emoting, men not, not putting their, you know, not being humble enough to put their hope in someone else. All of that would be counter that saying, actually, what it means to be a man is to hope in Jesus. So mm -hmm. I, I hope that's what that means. Um, and that's... Um, but I think I would, especially these days, I'd want to be a little bit more clear about that. Um, I had the same thought, Nathan. I, I wondered if that's what was going on here. This subtle, uh, maybe a very subtle response to, yeah, the information that we've been getting over the last few years that yeah, churches, uh, too, too feminine. Right. And so, and there, there's a problem with men not singing, men not participating and that the orientation of aspects of our liturgy and 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 so on is is just for whatever reason maybe less appealing to men and i just i wondered I, that was in the that yeah that was in the back of my mind as i was reading these these lyrics is is he saying singing no hey guys singing is something that we can do as men it's being vulnerable it's it's recognizing where we've where we've been and what god's done this is a this is a good manly thing to do i mean again I think I can read all that into the song, but I think that that's one charitable, probably a charitable interpretation of this. And then Tyler, I wanted to also give a charitable reading of uh, which you were charitable too, but you were talking about the idea of uh, then he picked well, blasphemy, oh, like yeah. no, like God, I've been broken more than a time or two. That that sounds like taking the Lord's name in vain, and I agree with what you said that. There are ways of of using God's name which might seem similar to using God's name as a curse word, but really because of the desperation of the situation, it's actually not. So I was reflecting back on uh, one time I was in a I was driving over the Willamette Pass, which is in Oregon. I wasn't driving; my aunt was driving, um, and she's since gone to be with Christ. But um, she uh, she was driving, and we had hit this ice, icy patch. And we just started spinning out of control and we ended up crashing, but I really remember it. I was about, I was think I was 12 and all she said was Jesus, 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 as she was, as we were just spinning out of control and, you know, I could hear it over the, the tires screeching on the road and the tree branches crashing into us as we flew off the side of the road. And I don't think she was saying the Lord's name in vain. I think she was saying, Jesus, help us, you know, yeah. Jesus, protect us. And it's just that she couldn't say those last things. And and so I think that's what's going on here. He's saying, God, you know, um, you know, it's just a it's just a way of just um uh of 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 just it's just a visceral groan almost mm -hmm. about about how how badly he's been broken. And it's a kind of authentic way to do that. So which I think you you kind of emphasize, but I just wanted to add that bit. To what you said, Tyler. And I think the reason why it sounds like taking the Lord's name in vain is because that's what people are doing when they're when they're use when they say God in that way. They're imitating those kinds of real severe emotive moments. Yes. Yes. 
but in a way that it that in a way that it's denigrates God rather than yeah. yeah calls upon Him um, as so much of 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 what's counterfeit you know that Satan has brought in and that our sin brings in it it, it yeah exactly I think it's yeah fair point Tyler but I do want to ask maybe either of you what is the thing that breaks a man what is it I I wasn't sure exactly what it was so he says there is a kind of thing that just breaks a man yeah. What is it? Is it? I mean, you, I guess you could imply from context maybe that it's like, is it sin? Is it? So, I don't know, there's not. It's not like a specific thing. I'll read. Can I read what uh, Crowder says about this song? Uh, in an interview on the website freeccm.com, freeccm, um, and he says there's not a single one of us that can't identify with and understand what it feels like to be shackled. And bound to something. We know we're not living in the freedom that we've been given through Christ. This song is so hopeful because our hope is in something as grand as the salvific action of the one and only Son of God. I got to see a physical manifestation of what that looks like to find physical freedom, and that's what I want for my interior, and that's what this song is all about. My hope is in Jesus. So I think the thing that breaks a man has to be that that whatever that was that was uh, enslaving or chaining or shackling him uh, that he experienced liberation from. I don't. I think that gets us somewhat closer to an answer, but I don't know if that is. You know, it's not super definite. And it's not like that. It has to be named per se. Um, but I was certainly curious. I, I guess I kind of wanted some some more substance i would i would have loved more substance in general uh i think pastorally speaking and in my own life um i feel like i keep seeing over and over again there are some traps and some things that are like have your name written on them and like it's almost like satan built a trap and said tyler you know and some of them take years to develop and when they hit they hit hard and they hit the target dead on like someone has been studying you and says i know what nathan will do if i do this and then i know what he'll do for that and all of a sudden you find yourself like way off track way out of bounds and at that moment um it's it's guttural what either death or turning to jesus is a is is a very it's life or death situation even though it feels benign maybe it's a, a, a divorce or maybe it's quitting your job or maybe it's all sorts of things that that it can look like on the outside but internally it's a choice between jesus and yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's, you know, I'm bringing that to this, <laughs> but I do think there is some like all, almost like e- each one of us and, and, and there are more than one trial, but each one of us is going to, is likely to go through a trial that is specifically difficult for us. That brings a lot of stuff to the surface that we didn't know we had and didn't want to know we had. Um, and this feels like that sort of, there's a thing, there's a kind of thing. It feels like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, all right. I want to say uh, something about this verse as a writer. Um, if I was doing a, oh my goodness, if I was doing a class, I feel really stupid saying that for a David Crowder song. So, you know, <laughs> everyone just laugh for a minute. Okay. Um, if I was doing a class and reading these lyrics, I would say when you get to that last stanza, it pulls me out of the song. Much like a movie where something's going along, like, wait, we're reading a book. and like, that line doesn't make sense. It all of a sudden becomes... It, it it would make sense if it was like a promise keepers or some sort of like men's uh, a song written for a men's thing, but all of a sudden it becomes just about men. And I don't I'm not offended by that at all. I, I just 
I, there's a time and place for that too. I think I just all of a sudden it pulls me out to say, is this, is that what this is about? Is this about helping men to know who they are? Uh, there's a kind of thing that breaks a man is so generic that it's like, that's just human. I can take it that way. But then when it says to be a man, all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what are we, what are we talking about here? Who, who is the audience? Who's now who's singing this hymn? Mm-hmm. And it's not, it, it doesn't make it a bad hymn to me or a bad song, but it's just one of those things where if it were me, I would have edited a little bit more or, or given a little bit more something to make it fit within the rest of the song. Um, Cause it pulls me out. As soon as I hear it, what it makes to be a man, it feels like a tangent comment, like a toss off comment, you know, like I'm tracking all my hopes in Jesus. It breaks a man, blah, blah. And now he taught me how to be a man. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I have to shake it off and get into the course again. <laughs> okay. So Nathan, now again, I want to, this is a question that goes straight at something you've already done, but I think this is a great time to bring it up. You wrote a song called A Son of God. Now, the whole church sings a son of God. Now, wh- why is that different? Can you explain to the audience why we, as Christians, men and women, can sing, I'm a son of God, but it's more challenging, it's, it's, we're, le- we're not able, we're not all able to sing, um, Lord, pick the, God picked me up and showed me what it means to be a man. There's a, there's a substantial difference there. Can you kind of explain why that is? Well, um, okay. Um, that song specifically, um, is, is pulling hard from Galatians. Um, and it, Paul says, uh, you know, in Christ, we're all sons. And he, and he, and he goes to everything. He goes to like, your socioeconomic class, then he goes to our race, and then he goes mm-hmm. to our gender, and mm-hmm. then he says, you're all sons. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying there is, um, you are all like the, the firstborn son, which again sounds like archaic, Why we should just throw that out, because that's like patriarchal, whatever, you know, like, oh, that's a mess. Mm-hmm. But what he's saying is, you are the favorite. Mm-hmm. When God looks at you, he goes, he says, he, he says, Colin, oh, Colin, he's my favorite. Mm-hmm. That's what that's getting at. And then that, then man, woman, rich, poor, um, what, a, 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 someone from Russia or someone from the Ukraine, whatever it is, in Christ, they're my favorite. They're my favorite. Mm-hmm. So that's what son is meant to invoke in the scriptures there. Mm-hmm. I think that's the purpose of it. I wrote the song out of that. Now, I, I, I changed that in our congregation, pastorally speaking, because what I realized was, and this is where I'm like editing my own song, it caused quite a bit... Like when we sang it, I actually had different people sing it, and, and there was a, a, a woman who sang one of the verses um, to try to like draw out the fact like this is all of us singing, I'm a son mm-hmm. of God. But even that in this context of our culture, it, it just felt hurtful to a lot of people, like I was leaving them out. No matter how much I explained that or not, like it okay. wasn't that just couldn't, that couldn't land. And so I changed it to a child. It's not, it's not, my, it's not my favorite, it's not my preference. Um, but I felt pastorally and I felt responsible as a writer. Like I didn't feel like I put enough in that actual song to explain that. Mm. I just talked a lot about the gospel, but why that is a son, I didn't put the content there to help mm. 
connect those dots for people. So I felt responsibly and, and pastorally like I'm willing to, I'm willing to do that. Mm. So, so it's like, so it's like, um, you're not saying what you said was not wrong, but it was just difficult. It, it just wasn't possible to maybe translate it in the song. So it's kind of like, all right, maybe we have to do this. This is maybe something to explain in a sermon. This is probably not something we can explain in a song without people just, it's just, it just can't, the medium isn't right or whatever the way it was done. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I don't want people to be in worship trying to figure out like, wait, I don't want them to be pulled out of it and go like, yeah, like, right. is this him for me? I can't, have I seen that? Why do I, I don't understand. And I have to have a whole conversation to explain it. I've kind of failed as a worship leader in that sense. Well, I would, I would just say, I mean, as a ancient Roman historian who's, who studies the Romans <laughs> and the concept of inheritance and family, I love that song for the reason <laughs> that you mentioned. Like, I love that it's drawing on, because when I hear son and I read it in Galatians, it's like, oh yeah, you know, for me, it's just like, yeah, Paul's not making a comment about gender. He's, he, yeah, he's making a comment about inheritance and yeah, favoritism and all that. So anyway, there was there's at least one person <laughs> who was I'm really so happy with that song. And yeah, I, but I get what I get why you did what you did. Um, that makes sense because you do you have to explain that sort of thing. I get it. You know, Nathan. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad it worked for you. I really am. <laughs> That's it. Was a joy for me. So yeah. what strikes me as funny is uh, in 2020, in the 2020s. Um, you sing that song, and you probably have uh, men being generally apathetic uh, that, you know, son is being used uh, for right. multiple genders. <laughs> Why are we singing this? Of course, so, I'm okay, a man. Yeah. And then you might have women who are upset. But I suspect, I'm no ancient historian, but I suspect if you played that, if Nathanius Partanio, uh, you know, <laughs> 1,800 years ago, had brought out his... Uh, you know, four-stringed harp or lute or something, and sung a song like that, you probably have men coming up to you and being like, do not put me on the same level with these women, because patriarchy mm -hmm. was so strongly ingrained. And so you probably get agitation from the other side, uh, and it just shows how, how much things have changed. Um, Colin, I wanted to make one comment about this, um, this uh, shackles and chains imagery. Um, it, that uh, that free CCM piece is not an interview. It's a link to his song story, and in oh, the song okay. story, he explains both the um, some of the the more reflective aspects of the song, but also that he wrote it to celebrate a man getting out of prison after twenty six years and being reunited ah. with his friends and family. There it is. So yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It, and that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does make a lot more sense in that context. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And it's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, that really helped. I think we got a good sense of this song. I mean, any concluding thoughts before we get into ratings from uh, Nathan? Do you have any just summing up thoughts at all? Um, no. I mean, I think it's. I think it's a. I think it's a fine song. Um, I don't. I don't think that we'd be singing it in worship anytime soon just because of again wanting like i'm wanting depth or connections or following the train of thought a little bit better um okay. but I, I i i enjoyed the style and what it was trying to do i actually really like the fact that now that i know the story of it i it that feels more personal to me and i enjoy it more mm -hmm. <laughs> so tyler oh this is a tough one for me there there's a lot to like and uh, there's a lot that, without context, I think is uh, prone to leave people stumbling over, uh, potentially. So that's sort of where I am. 
Yeah, I felt similarly. I thought um, it was a it was a bit of a mixed bag, and I, I agree with you that hearing some of the interview and fleshing it out and thinking about what we could bring into the song and it, it helps it. But if I'm just taking it on its own merits, if it was just sung without much explanation or without any of that other information, yeah, we would be hit and miss in some places. Um, Tyler, can I ask what you gave the song for a rating out of five? Uh, um, I would say for uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my rating to the church, um, but. I would say this is a song that I think would be great to listen to, especially once you know what's going on and you could sing along in your car. But I guess if I were talking about, do I want to see this in a church on a Sunday morning? I'm going to lean no, and I'm going to give it two out of five, ironically, churches, because the music video is a bunch of pan shots of a very aesthetically pleasing, uh, looks Anglican uh, church uh, to my eyes. So two out of five churches. All right. I did it. I gave it a little bit of a higher rating than you did. So I gave it three out of five. Um, and my answer or my, my modifier is often a joke. Um, but a couple of times, a few times I haven't joked in the past and I'm not going to joke for this one either. I'm giving this three out of five addictions cured. And the reasons I'm, the reason I'm giving it that is because I was looking through the comments on YouTube. And the thing that struck me is a lot of people commented on this song, liked the song, and made a comment about how they've been sober for five years by the grace of God, or it's been 25 years since they've had a cigarette, you know, or it's, they, they, they finally have broken free of their heroin addiction or whatever. I mean, it was, the comments on this YouTube video are full of stories. Mm. Um, a lot of them brief, but these are real people. I don't think these are robots. I think these are real people that heard this song and were able to think of it think of it in the sense of their own story, their own like rock bottom story. And so what that tells me is that even though I didn't understand some of the lyrics and I had trouble filling it in, maybe that's because I've not had that kind of chronic addiction type experience, particularly with drugs. That seemed to be the real, uh, in the comments, it was a lot of people that were addicted to drugs. Um, And so maybe, maybe there's something powerful here that I'm missing a bit just because of what I haven't experienced. And so, um, I don't know, that was a bit, uh, that pushed it over the edge to me to, from a two to a three. I thought this is clearly landing with a, with a population that is finding something really beautiful and meaningful and encouraging in God in this song. So I gave it three out of five addictions cured. Nathan, do you have a rating for us? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I, 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 we wouldn't put it in our worship context. Um, so I, I, it's gonna. I guess it's in the meat. It's three out of five summer camp T-shirts, and the reason why is because it is very singable and it's very anthemic, okay. and it makes sense that a whole bunch of people would uh, want to sing this together. And um, and if you can bring your experience to it and sing your guts out, uh, that's great. Um, I think there's enough of of uh, Jesus and glorifying Him in there that uh, I can I can forgive some of the. Um, the things that are more broad. Fantastic. Well, listeners, thanks for sticking with us for another episode of the Worship Review. Uh, we ask that you tell your friends about the podcast if you enjoy it. Follow us on Twitter. You can send us a, a tip or a contribution uh, at uh, on our website, really. And feel free to browse our back catalog. We've got 
I don't know, Tyler, have we had a hundred episodes yet? Yes. If we should, if we have, we should, we have. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we should have celebrated right. that, but you know, we've got a big back catalog, <laughs> so feel free, feel free to use that. Um, and yeah, uh, just continue to send your feedback to us, uh, feedback at the worship review. Uh, you can once again, find our guest, Nathan Partain, uh, he's at uh, Indianapolis, uh, at Redeemer Indianapolis. Nathan, do you have a website or something or a Twitter handle that we yeah, can send it's people just, to? it's just my name, NathanPartain.com, I think. <laughs> I think okay. maybe Nathan Partain Music. I should know this stuff. I'm on Spotify <laughs> and everywhere else. Just look me up. Yeah. All right. Search for Nathan. Find his music. Uh, and yeah, Nathan, thank you as well for, for guest hosting today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. You guys are a good hang. It's great to geek out about worship stuff. So thank thanks, you. Thanks, brother. I'm glad this could pertain to your work. <laughs> thanks, listeners, and we'll uh, see you next time. Cheers. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.